0: Our first gaming interview. Um, I've been talking about getting into entertainment forever. Um, Medi was the first one that pushed us into it. And now that we're with Creator IQ, we're going to get lots of awesome guests that give us a perspective on the overlap between entertainment, gaming, creators, fashion, beauty, etc. It's going to be great. Today's show is awesome. Zena really dives into it. She's got such a deep background across all these different industries and was a perfect guest for the first one. Uh, remember if you enjoy today's show be a friend tell a friend that is the best way that you can help Um, thanks guys enjoy the show
1: explore the minds and marketing strategies behind today's winning brands and businesses tap into the power of the creator economy with earned by creator iq here's connor begley
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Earned. Today I've got Zena Coda, the global head of community marketing or digital community marketing, which oversees all of creators, social, and community. So, welcome to the show, Zena.
1: Thank you. I stay busy.
0: <laughs> and for those that don't know, Zena is a podcast pro. She's had two of her own podcasts, one that Great. is. Go- 3. Oh, I thought I only there was only two. Plus
1: it's been a uh, Yeah, I was
0: going to say how do you classify the Sirius XM kind of air host is that qual- classified in there? But uh so we're we're in for a good one today.
1: Awesome. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah. Um and for those that don't know you, maybe I'll give a quick intro a little brag session cuz I think we're going to learn a lot today. So like we said your earliest background you've had a ton of experiences whether it was on air host and dj at sirius xm running the digital strategies for musical artists including erica badu kevin hart Uh, you were the senior director at north face and i think your boss was on a previous podcast steve lenard who was the cmo at north face now the cbo at sephora you had several podcasts. You're the co founder of the Asian American Collective. You're a Webby Award judge. And now at 2K, you're leading some of the largest communities, I think, in the world, right? So, like Borderlands on TikTok has almost a half a billion views, 150,000 members on Discord, 800,000 on Twitch. NBA 2K has got over 2 million followers on TikTok, over 5 million on Instagram. And this number surprised me 17 billion views on TikTok, which is a <laughs> shocking number. Uh, obviously, PGA Tour has over 2 billion views on TikTok. The list goes on, right? So you are now leading some of the biggest communities in the world and have possibly lived three lifetimes, uh, based on my math, considering all the different things you've done. So uh, so excited for today.
1: I don't like to be bored, as you can tell. Yeah, I like, uh, I like to get spicy, for sure.
0: <laughs> I can see that. Um, well, let's start at the top, right? So I think I always like to dive into what makes somebody really special, right? And I think for you, the kind of broad experience that you've had across music, sports, apparel, gaming, um, each with like deep expertise is um, super unique, right? Um, And so give me an idea of how that that broad set of experiences has led to your approach to building digital community today.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there is a point in your career where you think, am I good at this, right? Can I do this? And when people ask me like, oh, it's really incredible that you've been able to move, you know, different concentrations, go into different fields. And ultimately it's like, are you invested in culture? And are you invested in building community? Whatever Mm -hmm. the product is, whatever the background is of what you're doing, it really is just investing in culture and community. And for me, that's been a really strong part of everything that I've, you know, built over the last years, um, I would say that community comes up and, you know, a reason that I did actually rebrand our function as digital community marketing is because in these days and age, like there isn't one traditional way that you communicate with people, right? You know, yeah. gone are the days where if you wanted to, to speak to somebody, you wrote them a letter or you picked up the phone, right? Like there used to be only two or three ways for you really to communicate um, which can be overwhelming at times, right? Because there's always a new platform, there's always a new methodology, yep. there's always a new way to make content. And I think it's been really you know, an interesting journey to learn how to better connect those stories and those products with those communities and those audiences. And for me, that's like a lifelong quest, right? Every day I wanna know what's new, like where are people actually building meaningful conversations? Are people using Be Real today? Are they not? <laughs> What's gas, right? Like what, are, there's so many interesting avenues and as yeah. well, the consumers, especially working in the gaming industry now, and honestly, it's been a kind of a red thread throughout my career, right? I have been a cultural marketer and a community marketer, right? And the way that you build culturally relevant conversations is through that community and actually building authentic and legitimate um, connections through that community. Um, that's a quest. That's not something that happens overnight and you're going to make a lot of mistakes and you're going to learn a lot from it. But I think really being true to that community and remaining authentic is something that really helps me to be purposeful in my work.
0: So let's, let's dive deeper into that, that comment you made there and specifically around culture, right? Because I think if you look at the culture of say NBA 2K versus Borderlands, which is like a first person shooter game or PGA tour, or frankly, the music and you know all the other categories you've been in, each one of those cultures is deeply different, right? Like very different language, very different people, very different Um, Views on the world. How do you kind of go into maybe a culture that you don't know particularly well at the beginning and get to know that culture? Like, how? What's your process look like there?
1: Oh, it is lust for learning, right? I think anybody can relate. If you worked at an agency, and I did seven plus years at Cornerstone Agency in the Fader, Um, we had all kinds of clients, right? You would have THQ or like a video gaming company come in. You would work with Nike. You would work with a ton of music labels, and then you would have a Broadway play <laughs> coming <laughs> on the other side, right? I mean, and, and tech clients at a budding time of social media. Like, it, it, I really like cut my teeth on understanding cultural marketing by working at an agency because you kind of have to understand that you you have to live in the the gray and love learning and really have a lust for learning. Um, and I really developed that working at that agency. Um, so whenever I'm, I'm jumping into a new community and really trying to understand, again, the number one quality that I'm looking for and want to evangelize with my teams is that authenticity, right? Because uh-huh. no matter how much the tech changes, no matter what the medium is, that authenticity and like the real conversations that are happening matter to really move the needle forward, no matter what you're trying to do from a cultural marketing perspective. So I, I go I go in and I learn. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, like all good things, like we always have to remain students. And anytime that you feel complacent or comfortable, you know that it's time to really like bootstrap and learn a little bit more, right? I try to make it a habit of every Sunday spending three hours of that that day either reading or kind of thinking and writing down thoughts on something that I was curious about, right? Do I get to those three hours every time? Sometimes it looks like more like an hour of an audiobook, right? <laughs> that commitment, and you know this because like it's tough having consistency with a family and other things going on in your life. Like that is the most special time to me. And the most special time is really learning about new communities, thinking about different points of view. Storytelling is really ultimately at the heart of everything that really excites me in life. Um, so being able to kind of put myself in somebody else's shoes, maybe it's my uh, you know, my, my musical theater past, my being in a band past, right? Like living my art through that kind of medium, um, it, is, it is exciting. And I think that it makes strong marketers, right? So in the work that I do with my team, no matter where I'm working, and I, I've done a lot of this work, actually, in my time at 2K... Is really like brainstorming and dreaming with the team about like who is that consumer? Who is watching this? Like, are we getting feedback? And we do an excellent job at feedback loops and understanding, you know, what our community is saying. And like, that's the coolest part to me of gaming. Like, yeah, this is the only entertainment medium that I've ever worked in where people can evangelize their thoughts or point of view on our products and we listen and it actually makes a difference in the product. That's so unique. (laughs) (laughs) You you can make a crappy movie, right? There's so many things, there's so many entertainment mediums where the output is there, but the fact that games are interactive and that we really consider and care about those things, I think that that is, is like one of the coolest parts of gaming and one of the most exciting things about the industry altogether.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that becomes a very powerful feedback loop, right? We see it all the time in beauty and fashion as well, where it's like, you see the community say, Hey, this is really what we want. Or this is a feedback we have on this product. You make a change and it's like, oh my God, like i I feel seen, right? Like I am helping to build this alongside you. And I think the second thing you talked about in terms of authenticity, right. Is, you know, yeah, there's 2 billion views, right. Which is an, a, you know, a unimaginable number. But realistically, behind each one of those is an actual person, right? Like behind Discord is a person. Like this ultimately goes back to people. And like each time they interact with your company, you can make that either a really special experience or not a really special experience. And that multiplies out over time. And I think that a big strength of the internet is that, you know, I can sit in Lafayette, California, and have a real meaningful interaction with somebody that's in another country or another state or, you know, is very different than I am. So, uh, yeah, I, I love all that.
1: That flattened plane of communication, right? Like it's this global, it makes the world so much bigger and smaller all in one, actually and um i think that's what's been exciting especially being around and you know the inception of like social media right and seeing it grow and develop into this tool that has become my career and become like a life's passion right like there's so many amazing things that the you know the ability of the internet has given us um and i just i'm blown away every day that we can do this right like i was watching the crown actually yeah um, few days and I was thinking you know kind of looking even back into the early nineties like looking at the cell phones and see like their methods of communication like writing letters again like we've come so far and the tactics again just need to continually be reflective of like how we continue to grow.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Well we so before we get in I want to go deeper into gaming and then I want to go into your career a little bit more. Um but before we do that I just want to talk briefly about kind of music, right? So you had a lot of exposure to the music industry Um, And on this podcast, we haven't had a lot of people with that background, right? So I want to understand it a little bit better, kind of how you think about building community around an artist, around music. How did that work for you historically? Like what were the, how was that different than say gaming or apparel or any of the other
1: categories you've worked in? Ooh, it's both easier and harder. All in one yeah. right like yeah you know, i i got into the music industry because i was a musician i was in a band for 15 years and i was like i'm too punk rock there's no way i'm working a day job got it but um you know obviously we get older we evolved you know touring in a van with a bunch a bunch of dudes wasn't necessarily going to be like what i'd be doing into my 40s for sure um, <laughs> So I had to take a different method there, but I think the music industry, you really cut your teeth on being a reactive marketer and understanding how to like fan the flames, right? You will hear that if you worked at a record label at any time in your career, you have heard fan the flames probably 19 billion times in your time there, right? Um, it's a really interesting field to work in for a multitude of reasons, right? There's a many, 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 many stakeholders, right? But ultimately what matters is the relationship between you know the marketer and the artist. Um, because some artists have an incredible vision, some have none at all. <laughs> so yeah. you're kind of like, it, there's really, it's a toss of the dice, right? What you're gonna get. Um, so you really you work really closely with those artists and those managers and you, you're kind of receiving them at all different levels, right? And the relationships are really the heavy drivers in everything that you do from a marketing standpoint. Um, And working in the digital space in music is really interesting because not only do you have to have the ability to get the idea that you want over the line, you have to have the tightest relationships with all of your partners and both the DSP side, and then also all of the, you know, all the social channels, right? So Mm -hmm. you got to know your Instagram people, you got to know your Twitter people, if there's something beta, there's some opportunity that's coming up, like you have to be able to be at the top of their tongue, right? And And if you have an artist that's bubbling up and blows up at any given moment, then everybody wants you.
0: <laughs> yeah, so then you have yeah. to kind of figure
1: out how to maneuver that as well, um, there is no template for music marketing, which is super interesting, right? You learn to do everything and anything in order to be innovative and get attention. So when you talk about community building in that space, inherently, like, the artist is the first vehicle for community building. And yep, it's like, yep. you know, you don't get a product that's... It's a product that speaks. Yeah. It's a
0: product <laughs> <laughs> the product is a person.
1: <laughs> they change their mind at any given moment. So it kind of has been a great, actually, you know, a few people I know from the music industry have went over to gaming. Actually a ton of my old coworkers at Atlantic Records, when it's gaming or esports, And it is a really good primer for this world, right? Because it's very... It's very turnkey and quick. You have to pivot. You gotta, you know, you gotta be super nimble, right? There's so many different ways that you have to show up. That you have to just be ready for whatever's coming down the pipeline, right? But uh, I would say it's not for the faint of heart, for sure. Uh, you could have the best ideas that just never get over the line, and you could do amazing work that never gets seen because it's not seen by an artist that's actually popping off. So it's 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 a strange place to be, for yeah. sure. But if you're about it, it works. I mean, I did it for. Again, fifteen years, and in a lot of ways, what we're doing with 2K, especially on the NBA side, and developing little like like activities, and and, you know, it's been an influential piece of the music um, for a long time. Like to get a song in NBA 2K has been a huge feather in the cap for a lot of artists for a long time, right? So we're building some pretty strong stuff with our music side, and it's part of the cultural, you know, piece of what we're doing on the sports side, anyway right? Like it's yeah, always yeah. that. So I enjoy that because it's fun to do, you know, a bit of that work too, but not be on the front lines of getting calls from rappers at 3am. So <laughs> gonna, but it's a good primer for, for literally being able to deal with anything in life and, you know, know what it's like to work 24 hours. Yeah.
0: Sure. It's interesting to think about kind of, cause obviously in sports, you tend to have this blending of music athletes celebrities right like the whole kind of adage like every athlete wants to be a musician every musician wants to be an athlete every you know that kind of thing i had never thought about the role that like being a song on nba 2k is like a huge deal like i had never thought about that interplay between the two of them
1: it changes a lot of artists lives actually like i worked yeah well um you know when he was still alive uh, and it was a really big deal for him to be part of the NBA 2K soundtrack. So it's kind of funny to like come years later and actually be part of the team and like really, you know, evangelize how important it is on the other side. And we're thinking of different innovative tactics to the music team on how we can integrate social and community channels to actually be a driver for that. Because, again, at the end of the day, it's all cultural communication fostered by community. Right. Um, So in this funny little like diagram, it all connects and it all actually helps us to reach different cultural communities, too.
0: Totally. And I mean, realistically, I have to imagine like, you know, part of because I think you left music in early 2020, right when TikTok was starting to take off. But you probably saw it already. You know, we've talked a lot about the role that TikTok has played for musical artists and like how basically if you become part of a big trend on TikTok, it similarly can kind of blow up your career. I have to imagine that plays a role as well because NBA 2K has got 17 billion views, right, on TikTok. So like that's got to be having an impact on artists' lives as well.
1: If you've been keeping a pulse on some of the premieres that we've been doing in game and then evangelizing them on social you'll see that the last few actually even today we had something with Davies. so like there's there's a lot that we've been doing to like slowly integrate that more into our social ecosystem for sure and, yeah. and let me be like actually tiktok completely revolutionized and changed the way that the music industry marketed itself like every you know i was I was there it's showing my age. I was there at the change of, you know, physical product to straight up digital and streaming, which was a really yeah. scary to the music industry. Right. Um, because they were like, Oh my God, how do we make money? How do we actually yeah. monetize? On this? Well, and their
0: money did go like this for a long time, right? It tanked yeah, big like, time in the early days,
1: 2008, 2009, it was really scary times. Right. Um, but I was there for that transition and seeing that, you know, kind of change over, uh, you know that the record industry has learned how to pivot into the right digital channels that actually like amplify what they need, right? You know, first yeah, it's yeah. playlisting. And then it's like, if your song's blowing up on TikTok and then TikTok developed their own like sound distribution platform, right? And now TikTok's getting into the music game. So it's, it is interesting how TikTok has not only revolutionized the way the industry has worked, but also reprioritized the type of content and the types of ways that like, artists are creating you know their marketing plans based off of that and also the kind of artists that are entering the ecosystem because if they're big on tiktok there's a potential that they'll be big in streaming so it's it's kind of been funky i i gotta say don't from a personal level i don't love that aspect of it because i was a musician right and i've seen some good music get ignored because the mass quantity of it is just like overwhelming for most people right yeah there's Um, just so
0: much of it yeah
1: so much of it so Funny, but from a trends perspective, I'm like, man, like TikTok is really just, TikTok really changed consumption across the board in a lot of entertainment mediums.
0: Yeah. We were doing an event in New York and like afterwards the bartender who was there was like, Hey, I need to talk to you. I was like, Oh, what's going on? And he was a musical artist. And he's like, I have to tell you the role that TikTok plays. Like, it's crazy. Like in terms Mm -hmm. of and of elevating people's careers if you can get discovered, right? Like on, totally. on that channel. being
1: a career, that's hard, right? And it's actually yeah. being a live performer that's hard because I've seen a lot of artists blow up on TikTok who couldn't, couldn't actually be an artist.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Um, so let's talk about gaming a little bit. So this is a relatively recent pivot. And obviously we've talked about the overlap between gaming, music, entertainment, et cetera. Um, But obviously, it was a very intentional choice, right? You're coming with a lot of success. You probably had a lot of options. So I'm curious what made you decide to kind of go into a new avenue, right? Um, And then secondarily, you know, what has been surprising to you as you've kind of pulled back the onion, right, and learned more about gaming? Like, what was it that was surprising to you that you didn't know kind of coming
1: into it? Hmm, good questions. Um, All right, my decision to go into gaming, I'd always been intrigued by gaming, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I... I'm a casual gamer for sure. My husband, a little bit more than me, <laughs> but, you know, when I first got the job, so quite a bit of time on my couch playing tiny Tina's and trying to conquer uh, tiny Tina's. Um, but I've always like recognized the power of gaming. And even when I was working in digital marketing for, you know, the urban artists had. Uh, at Atlantic Records, like, we would work with Xbox, there were a bunch of different gaming partners, we would, you know, chat with 2K at that time, like, about the artists that were being integrated into the soundtrack. So there has always been this really common cultural language between music and um, anything in lifestyle marketing, really, with gaming, right? Because gaming is a lifestyle, but also, like, it intersects and crosses the other way, too. Um, So it always intrigued me, and I think, like, the work that I had been doing at the North Face Um, had developed into this interesting like digital component where I was outfitting in different games. Right. Like, you know, the last two years, I think a lot of like uh, a lot of luxury brands have tried to get into the gaming space and like creating and create unique experiences in the gaming space. So, you know, being at a clothing brand at the time, I saw us as a great contender for that space as well. And there yeah, were some interesting yeah. games, like a little more action sports type games that we were able to kind of like get some headwinds with. Um, so doing that, working, you know, bit on a, a Roblox project at the time, like I just saw so much potential in cultural marketing within the gaming space, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the opportunity with 2K seems extremely interesting to me because I knew the power from music marketing that 2K soundtracks, uh, you know, really had for artists. And, you know, I just really have respected what the brand has done with itself over the last almost 20 years now. So yeah, I mean, there are a lot of gaming companies, but I wanted to be somewhere where there was like opportunity to build a different kind of future, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. Gaming, the branding of gaming—you know what's really ex- excited me is a lot of the esports teams and the way that they've been able to like three hundred and sixty brand themselves as well. Um, so this seemed like the right opportunity, and what better way to really evangelize that and help connect—you um, know—a lot of the DEI that like drives my my life and soul than through community, right? And building, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that we built the right team to reflect that community, fostering that community, being able to see where there was opportunity to do more you know, with our next makers program, which is like our, um, our creator loyalty program, we've done so much in just the quick short four months that I've been here. And there's so many great plans for the future, just to continue to build it out and be more inclusive, um, you know, be globally inclusive, which is super different for me. Like, right. Like I've, I've worked at global companies, but this company is one of the most genuinely like global companies that I've worked with. Yeah, absolutely up and we just hire a head of Asia. So there is something to really be said about like learning how to expand the world and also like broaden and, and like shrink that large digital world, right? Like there's a lot of principles that are kind of scalable there. So, you know, gaming has always been cutting edge. It's the biggest entertainment form out there.
0: Yeah. It's no, like, people kind of underestimate the amount of time spent. Really it is just shocking. Yeah,
1: totally underestimate the power. And with mobile gaming also taking off, like it's insane to kind of like see the reach that, you know, any gaming company could potentially have. So, yeah, it was just an exciting new frontier, like the best marriage of entertainment and tech. And I love out there concepts and out there things. So, it made a ton of sense for me from a career progression standpoint to to invest in 2K. And it, you know, really grabbed my eye as a career opportunity. Um, If you talk about some of the most surprising things I found, I don't think surprising would be the word, but just understanding again, you know, just how smart and savvy this community is and how supportive they also can be. Um, you know, and a lot of the things that we do, like we're asking again for feedback, you know, direct content from people. There's obviously a level of honesty that we're going to ask from people. Um, but it's always come back much more respectful and productive than I've thought, right? like, (laughs) You know, unfortunately in the past like gaming has received a stigma that's absolutely untrue. There is a really uplifting community here. And I think like social vehicles like TikTok, um actually help to to bring it to a more happy and more positive and fun and interesting place so those are the kind of opportunities that I lean on and I and excite me right because I want to really build kind of a different lens and a different voice for gaming that hadn't necessarily been there before and you know I'm not I'm clearly not the first yeah. um, there's of amazing other trailblazers in the DEI and the women's space too who are bringing again just a, a completely different lens to gaming that had been there in the past so yeah it's there's just like endless opportunity. And it's super exciting to be here during this time where, you know, the sky's kind of the limit.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think, you know, like my sister is a huge gamer. I think that like the, it's very underestimated, right? People assume it's kind of a male dominated category and it's really not, right? Like, and uh, yeah, no, I love it. And obviously, you know, I, I will profess, I love to play games, watch Twitch all the time. It, it's a big part of my life historically. And so it's fun. And I think if you look at, Creators and influencers, very specifically, the kind of three biggest categories are going to be beauty, fashion, and entertainment, right? And within entertainment, I think gaming is the biggest out of that. So it's, uh, I think you're for
1: you. You're, yeah, for you.
0: <laughs> I know. I think that you. Uh, I think you made a good choice. I think, and obviously, it just reflects in the numbers, right? These communities are just massive. Um, how actually? Go ahead. I saw
1: actually interesting stat pretty recently from a TV exec, right? On Twitter, on Twitter, the, the little nuggets that we find on Twitter, um, talking about his 19 year old kid and the fact that his 19 year old kid no longer watch. And this is a TV, like classic TV executive, didn't never watch traditional TV. Everything was yeah. being on Twitch and like all the information that he was finding was like literally being ported through at, like Twitch. So Hearing that set and just kind of looking at the lower end of Gen Z and looking as alpha is kind of creeping up there, right? Like a lot of this information is completely being integrated in one space, right? So sports, gaming, you know, music, uh, yep. you know, all other cultural conversations are all cropping up in a new form where there is no gatekeeper, right? Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. gatekeeper is you. And the gatekeeper, you know had traditionally kind of kept conversations very insular to whatever that aim is. Um, That's exciting. That's a really exciting prospect. And over the last few months, we've done a lot of work on doubling down on NBA's Twitch channel. Like, I don't know if you've seen, but like we're streaming every week and we're starting to really, you know, kind of pivot our efforts towards that and, you know, continue to lift up our next makers, looking to have them integrate them as hosts. So there's a lot of just really cool avenues that you can take away the traditional thought of the way that things should be and actually port them to a place where you can sculpt what the programming is, right? And the audience sculpts that by, you know, being part of that community and also responding back.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I let's talk a little bit about those platforms for a second. So, I'd love to get your perspective on kind of the directions the platforms are heading, and just what you see as kind of the biggest platforms, right? Because I think that's what's unique about the gaming industry is like Discord's really big, right? Twitch is really big, and it's it has some some play in other categories, but is you know the dominant category for it is is gaming. Um, and obviously, but you have the more traditional channels like YouTube, Instagram, TikTok are still very big communities in gaming. What direction do you see those? Like which which uh, platforms are on the rise and which ones do you see kind of dropping off uh, more recently?
1: It's pretty clear for me and strategically, like this is something you'll see obviously with you know our output. I mean, short form content has overtaken and again, the TikTokification of uh, <laughs> all of these platforms is pretty evident, right? The fact that you can, that everything has become vertical size or vertical leaning just shows you like consumer behavior has changed in that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for us, there's pretty three, three solid platforms that we lean on and that's YouTube, Twitch and TikTok right now, yep. right? Yep. With the obvious like port over to Reels, YouTube Shorts and all of those other reforms, right? Um, I, I just think like, there are different uses for each right and discord mm-hmm. obviously we don't really like look at it as a social channel it's more of a community channel um but discord continues to grow on the low no matter what right like discord is kind of the og gaming communication channel right yeah like you know, like people have been talking in that in that platform for years at this point um it's been interesting to watch that channel become more commercial in other ways you know when you're when you have Chipotle on there when you have like <laughs> brands kind of trying to communicate and see what audiences are out there. It, it, it's interesting. Do they always win? I don't think so. But I think for gaming, it's such a strong community on Discord. That is where we get the we get to dig into those real real conversations, and it becomes more of. Um, a fanatic not even fanatic but the most core and interested let's put it that way audiences are really incubating those conversations there because it's the right place to have it right like it's a yep. it's a one-to-one it's where like fan meets fan and we facilitate combo <laughs> uh, you know it's kind of our meeting place right uh yeah. i would say with twitch really important one you know i it, it's a big indicator if people are streaming your
0: games, Mm, right? mm. And it's
1: a big deal for people to be able to collaboratively discuss like new pieces of the pie, right? And and you look at also like YouTube even kind of taking streaming on as a little bit more of a serious like contender for them, getting more into the gaming space, you know, they recognize the power of streaming, right? We just Mm -hmm. had to actually, today for marvel midnight suns which was incredible right kind of talking to developers like looking into the fun, you know like what is the game going to be like right like what can you do within the game and i think that that's the kind of insight that people want to know so whether or not that's on youtube or being streamed through twitch that's information that is a requirement for us to give to our fans and to our consumers right um where is the future going to go youtube and tiktok are going to keep going for the streaming the streaming buck too, even the Twitch is kind of like the king there. I would yeah. say that TikTok's actually done a really good job of bringing streaming more into their ecosystem. A lot of creators, as you know, are making mm-hmm. money off of TikTok streams. Um, finding the right and authentic way for that to kind of integrate into what we're doing for each game and each title, I think is really, you know, it's really key to, again, that asterisk around authentic, right? Because if it's thirsty or doesn't feel like the right opportunity, um, it could come off the wrong way, right? So, really looking how we can bring these things together in a way that, that resonates with the audience and maybe exploring streaming on other platforms that we wouldn't have necessarily utilized or leveraged before, you know, will continue to be kind of a, a quest for us, right? Um, as the functionality increases, the draw to go other places and try other things is going to keep increasing. So um, those are going to be the ones that we're kind of doubling down on. And I really see, like, helping to move forward what's going on, you know, obviously in the gaming world. And I'll be excited to see, like, what is next, right? Like, what comes next? Like, I, I don't know. I wish I could look into my crystal ball and tell you, but.
0: Totally. I <laughs> noticed you didn't That's mention... The I noticed you didn't mention Instagram, and that's something that I mean you still have a fairly large you know, five million fans on Instagram for NBA2K and you know other channels. How do you think about Instagram versus the other channels? Is that something you're kind of not as investing in as heavily right now?
1: I think Instagram's still important, right? It's still very yeah. important, but Instagram reads out a bit more like a leaderboard right? Mm. And it is more of a passive conversation versus a, you know, multi-touch point, like engaged conversation, right? And it's Mm -hmm. not enough on Instagram. It's just literally where where the UX is at right now. Like Instagram cannot be understated as like an extremely important part of any marketing campaign, right? And especially again, with the TikTokification of the platform and Reels becoming more of that precedence, um, you know, it's still very important to us. And we think of different ways that we can create a unique experience. So when we're making a video for TikTok, we may make a spinoff that, that is more tailored for Reels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think with NBA, it's been interesting to kind of see the difference in the fandom on those platforms, right? With Instagram having probably a little bit more of an older audience um, that wants to see a little bit more polished content, maybe isn't used to some of the cultural conversations you might be seeing on TikTok, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You do have to have kind of a different lens, but when I look to the future and what we're trying to do and, and and ways that we're trying to bring in, you know, Gen Z and and remind them of like how important, especially with the NBA, like, you know, this this game is the culture, but just how good this game is, right? Like the platforms that we're looking to really lean on that functionality and that edutainment aspect have to be more of a TikTok or YouTube in order for us to get that information them directly. Cause also they're searching for it. The searchability piece I think is that red thread there. Right. Mm -hmm. Instagram, You kind of look for things,
0: but you kind of just follow the people you follow.
1: Yeah. Or you, you know, it's dog videos. Like I've gotten my husband in on all the Pomeranian videos. So all he sees is Pomeranian videos. Now (laughs) I feel like the algorithm also has been a bit of a trickster in terms of trying to get like, new information to new eyeballs. And that's where, that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to progress, we're trying to move forward. So I think that those platforms like TikTok, obviously being a huge search engine for most people, which is crazy right? when you think about that. It's so
0: weird, right? And yeah.
1: YouTube as well, like being edu- educational platforms are, you know, are key for us because of those kind of things.
0: Yeah. It's interesting to think about, this is kind of outside the bounds of this conversation, but obviously Google is the original search engine, right? Mm -hmm. But like, you see, like, you know, people are going direct to Amazon to search there, right? Instead of starting on Google, they're going to TikTok to learn versus going to Google. They're going to, you know, YouTube, although I guess that's technically owned by Google. Yeah. Um,
1: It's more move on their behalf. yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you talked a little bit there about kind of specific communities, right? So like the community on Instagram is very different than the one on tiktok is very different than the one on discord how do you structure your internal team around that and obviously you've got the streamer relationships as well do you have people focused on specific platforms are they focused on specific people or specific communities like how is that structured in terms of managing those relationships engaging with those communities yeah, how do you do that? How do you structure it?
1: Sure. I mean, you know, it's all about the North Star, right? That's that's my branding experience, right? Um, and the North Star really has to be like aligning as a team to look at the priority platforms and what we're trying to get after the demographics and the consumers that we're trying to, you know, that we're trying to uh, to really bring in, right? Like yep. we know that we have returning gamers who are engaged, like our, our most core of the community, um, but we want to expand. And obviously with diversity, and trying to make sure that we're really reaching a more diverse slate of of our community which are literally the gamers right like yep. you go younger and younger you know there's there's a stat that's been floating around like i can't remember it was like 2040 or something like that where like most people will be multicultural by then right mm-hmm,
0: like mm-hmm, totally like,
1: one or two different backgrounds and seeing that shift i think is a really really important thing for most business folks or, and marketing folks to really start understanding, right? Like, so when we're talking about Gen Z, Gen Alpha, like really beginning to understand like how you connect in a meaningful way with those communities are important. And where are they? Well, platforms yeah. are on, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Platforms
1: are a strategy and, and really do- drilling down on, again, those specific platforms that we know we need to win on um, because not only are they extremely important to our business, but those are where our consumers are. Those are where our fans are, right? Those are our people. Um, so the way, the way that I've kind of, you know, divvied the team is although I bring in under one cohesive, you know, Digital community marketing umbrella, I think it's really important to look at them in three segments that work together as like a, a tripod, right? Like it's together. Mm-hmm. So so you have the community piece, you have the traditional social piece, which is crazy. It's traditional now. Creator um, <laughs> and influencer team who are also bringing in a completely different community, like the outside community into us, right? Um, you know, our Next Maker program, which again is our creator loyalty program, like, we have, you know, hundreds of next makers and even more who have applied, right, to be part of this this program who are literally our go-to when we are building community events and looking to kind of evangelize different functionality within our products and getting first looks at our games, right? Like building that that sense of community within that that actual like group as well is also a really big part of what we're doing because that's the true community. That's the IRL community, right? Anybody can yeah. get an email that says, you're part of our community. Here's a code, call it a day. We're building relationships, right? And, and that's, that's painstaking, right? That's time, right? Like that's yeah, actually a yeah. commitment to do that, which I think re- makes NextMakers a very like unique, unique kind of offering from others. Um, it's really kind of divided into those, you know, the community aspect really includes Discord, our Twitch content, and how we're beginning to think of our streaming um, our streaming content. Uh, Sweet, which you know is like no small feat and pretty expensive. It's not necessarily like you flick you flick your hands and the, this can just come together. But again, incorporating those next maker communities, right? So that next makers we see is the extension of that that kind of sits between community and influencer and creator, right? Because it's influencers and creators that are creating a community. Um, and then on in the influencer and creator side, you know, I've done a lot of this work coming in the last few months, like. We are expanding far beyond just looking at creators that are gaming centric and you know that are uh specific to our games, right? Yep. I know from a lifestyle perspective how important it is to really kind of outreach to different groups and you know, find affinity groups that make sense, like and, and also have like just a different kind of take, like whether it be sports, whether it be cosplay, whether it be just comedy, whether yeah, it be a, again, yeah. entertainment, right? These are the authentic voices. And these are the voices that the younger generation and people in general are listening to, right? Like we're more apt to actually listen to the opinion of somebody we see on TikTok, giving them a hot take, right? Than to watch the <laughs> evening news and listen to that as truth, right? So, you know, just being culturally cognizant of that, I think that it's really important For me to make sure that that part of the team, too, continues to grow and develop and grow way outside of just what we're doing in gaming, really cater to those other communities and build more brand awareness for 2K in general, um, so that that affinity starts from a different place, right? I want anybody from anywhere to find out who we are, and I think that that's kind of the beauty of working with creators, right? You're working through their lens to evangelize who you are.
0: So I think one, I would love to have you talk a little bit more about the kind of next makers community, right? I don't think you know, for the audience, it doesn't know what it is that you're talking about there. And the second thing is, you know, obviously we've mentioned streamers a bit here, I'd love to know kind of the role that they play as well as how you think about kind of organic coverage versus say paid relationships. Can you talk about those kind of three elements?
1: Yeah. So Next Makers is actually a free program, right? Yep. <laughs> that again is our loyalty program where the whole incentive is to join, to get first looks and to become part of that core community surrounding the, our game titles. Right. Um, I There's a bunch of gaming companies and a bunch of honestly like other entertainment companies that have similar cultural communities that might be like one here, one there. This is combined into one. It's a very heavy vetting process, Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we regulate that community, which is really important to us. Like if anybody gets out of line, they're out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Very safe community from our lens because there is that hand to hand curation. They're built relationships. When we're thinking of our marketing around a specific title, we go straight to the next makers as a, a portion of that output from the creator standpoint. Right. And from that community standpoint. So um, again, this is a two year 2 year plus old program that we continue to develop and grow. And what we're trying to do is grow that globally. So including different next makers from other communities that are globally representative of what's important to those regions, right? Mm-hmm, a lot of this has mm-hmm. been rooted in gaming and what's important to those titles that we've already established year over year. But as we continue to grow, we're looking to bring in more lifestyle spaces, right? And yep, and yep. From a global standpoint, hey, what's really big in Spain could be completely different than what's big in North America. Right. And the and the,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the creators and influencers that resonate there and that we wanna we want to continue to work with and leverage over and over and like continue to build that relationship with could be completely different. So that's that's the kind of thing that we're thinking of. Like we're building a symbiotic relationship because we're also helping to build visibility for them, right? Like this is not a purely paid activation. This is like helping to put them on. Like if we're hosting something, looking at who our next maker suite are to, you know, potentially be our hosts, right? For those kind of things. So it's really building with that community and helping to uplift them too, that I think it makes it absolutely special and just different from other communities. A hundred percent. For streaming, the second question was for streaming. Yeah, Um,
0: streaming and paid relationships as well. Is that something, you know, do you guys engage in that? How do you think about that? Who do you decide to sponsor? All those
1: kinds of elements. Yeah, of course. And I, you know, we pay creators, right? We we pay the creators that we're working with. And when we take something that's outside of their scope, or is isn't a game that they have an affinity for, right? Um, We don't try to do that because again, we want to actually we wanna be with authentic people, right? We want to be with people who are authentically like connected to a title or to something. Um, The lens is always to look through like what is the platform first? Like what platform are we trying to conquer? What platform are we trying to get, you know, what is the reasoning behind like, why we're why we trying to be here in a meaningful way? So it always kind of starts through that lens. And when we're working with different streamers or people in that community, again, it really is people who have like a strong affinity for the game and have an audience built off of that. Um, or have some kind of other tie- in, right? So we don't want to just like say, okay, give me give me a slate of 50 women, right? Like that's not how we want to do this because we really want to make sure that everything's authentically tied in. And these are people that we can continue to build relationships with over over each title this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, those long- term relationships are incredibly valuable, they're right? They're cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think that we I mean we obviously see it in the data, right? but the brands that do the best, really build these communities and then maintain them over time, right? It's not about one-off initiatives or one-off campaigns or anything
1: like that. And um, that's exactly what Next Makers is, actually. It's really, building, yeah. really, um, you know, to continue to grow with them and have them bring ideas too, to us. Like, we'd love to hear if there's something that you're interested in doing, like, let's hear it, right? Um, so that's really, again, a special quality because it takes a lot of time and curation to do that, but like, we're adamant on that and to, and to protect them and to make sure that they feel safe.
0: Yeah, 100%. So I want to get into one more kind of question, more career focused, and then we'll do one kind of fun end to show question. So, you know, you mentioned it earlier, but like you like to keep busy, you got a lot going on. Um, I'd love to know just for those that kind of want to get to where you've gotten to in your career, how do you balance, you know, you've got your day-to-day job with 2K, but then you've got a lot of other initiatives. You mentioned the Sunday morning kind of activities in terms of getting to know other cultures. Um, But what are some of the other kind of day-to-day habits you have that like allow you to keep so many different things going on?
1: When I was younger, I was a mess with scheduling and my personal email. (laughs) (laughs) When I was hosting every day on Sirius and going to Cornerstone and Fader all day long, like I would never get to scheduling. And I think the biggest lesson that I learned there was to be a meaningfully productive person and be a busy person. You have to schedule and stick to a schedule. You have to schedule lunch. Yeah. Yeah. You have to schedule rest time. You have to schedule time that's for thinking and for ideating and putting together programming. Right. I think scheduling to me has been a saving grace, um, and sticking to that schedule and then also like taking the time to really shut down when I need to shut down and just go away. I'm an only child. I need a lot of alone time to recharge. Right. Like I haven't, um, I, I am not one of those people who's like, all right, let's keep going. You know? Um, So respecting that boundary for yourself, I think is also really important, right? Because it's really, it's hard when people need a million things of you, like to balance them. I think having, again, that schedule and specific times where you're looking at specific problems, right? Or things helps me to actually balance that, right? So if I'm doing something where I'm a nonprofit, it's before work or after work, right? Like, and I schedule, Um, it's, it's the weekends, right? It's other times or like holidays or things where I have additional time. Um, I like to keep concentrated in the moment and really have a lot of one-on-one conversations because I think that's really meaningful, especially for my team as I continue to grow them and as they continue to understand what the vision is, um, i I try to have boundaries as much as possible, but it's not always
0: easy. <laughs> it's tough. It's, it's tough. not always
1: easy. You know, I, get a I, I, I joke with a lot of my other friends who are also very multifaceted. I'm like, you know, I can't lose my marriage, my job, my nonprofit, my community work all in one. So finding that striking balance and just resting when your body's like, nope, it's over. You need to sleep. You need to rest. But prioritizing personal relationships and who I am as a person is really important to me because it fills my cup to be the best that I can in in, in, in all of my work.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think the scheduling is really indicative of just being very intentional with your time, right? So mm-hmm. like... Like that's one of the things that i've found to be the most valuable is not only scheduling but then like kind of auditing your schedule and being like is this how i want to be spending my time and you can kind of see it and be like hmm, why am i spending so much time on this you know and then you can adjust based on that um so yeah i love that um all right let's do one fun end of show question this one's a little more serious than our traditional ones but You know, obviously you started the Everything's Political podcast. You helped co-found the Asian American Collective in 2020, um, both of those in 2020. And it seems like that was like a period of time in your life where you, you know, made some pretty serious investments outside of work. Um, You know, obviously we know what happened in 2020 with the pandemic, but were there any particular moments that you look back on that said like, hey, these are going to be, I'm going to start investing in things outside of just my direct career, right? That I think are impactful to broader, broader society.
1: Totally. I've been a podcaster for a long time since, you know, I was done with Sirius in 2014, right? And yeah. being an on-air host and a, you know, video host, I was, I did that work before it was like YouTube friendly, right? Like, <laughs> you to, like you go to like the studio, they would do your makeup, you read the teleprompter, right? Like feels like a different life. Like, you know, that kind of work only exists for like failed actors these <laughs> for like actual broadcast professionals who are working at local news right um i'll say in 2020 it was an interesting convergence of timing right because i had been thinking about the idea for asian american collective for a while and just got lucky enough to meet my partners at the very beginning of 2020 so the timing is just insane of the last year years when you think about it right like I had been wanting to create a community for Asian Americans in music when I was in it, right? And really thinking about it. And like having worked the agency side, record label side, and you know, worked as talent, I realized that it's all one, right? Like, especially when mm-hmm. I was doing urban, you know, digital marketing at Atlantic. We worked ton with sports partners, like other agencies. Like we all, we knew it was one, but what I recognized that there weren't a lot of other Asians around me, and also mm. not a lot of other Asians in power, right? Or that were confident enough to have a voice too. So I really wanted to incubate a community for us to find each other more than anything. Like yeah, how- yeah on how can we like get the younger ones jobs right like how can we mentor each other peer-to-peer right like if you have a question you want to talk about salaries you want to do you know anything you want to say like there were no closed communities or safe communities i felt at the time for asian americans so beginning this at the top of 2020 you know i i met my two partners one that works at youtube and one that works at uh you know at wme as an agent like we both kind of had the same mission. i known each other from working in the industry and we're like, let's just build this and see what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. And crazy enough, like the next year, you know, we had already been building this for an entire year. And when the pandemic hit, you know, there was a moment where we're like, do we still do this thing? Like we can't even bring people together, but in fact, it actually continued to grow because people were looking for community digitally. So yeah, um, yeah. that worked. And then obviously getting into stop Asian hate, like we were very, um, Vocal piece of it created a petition with Change.org. Um, really wanted to like help outside of just the Asian American community build awareness for. You know, these egregious things that were happening to the community overall and some of the issues that started to bubble up and really was like a bit of a racial awakening for us. So it was really powerful to be part of that. But ultimately, like we had always just been in a community that wanted to help, you know, really be great representation of the Asian community to other marginalized communities and other BIPOC communities, and also like just uplift other people. So that was important to me because I hadn't rectified you know, my alignment with my identity. And over the last years, I've really begun to really like embrace that. And it suppressed it for so long. Like, oh yeah, I eat rice. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, my mom's yeah. Filipino Like I don't have a washing machine. We, we hand wash everything. And it's these funky things as you grow up as the child of an immigrant parent that you start to really understand. Like it used to be embarrassing to me and became very actually unique and fun to me. As I got older, right, and especially as I think of like starting a family in my own future, right, um, and you know, with everything's political, I was sitting in the house <laughs> day in and day out. Uh, had been toying with the idea of doing something a little bit more politically driven. I'd been very civically driven. You know, I really care about voting. I think that voting is like one of our greatest tools as American citizens, right? Like across the board, no matter what you believe, right? Like go out and vote, do it, right? Um, And I think that that had started to kind of percolate and I, you know, kept thinking about the political nature of life, right? And that no matter what you do for a living, there is a political tie-in to what you're doing, right? Uh, You know, kids' schools, political, right? Like your family, (laughs) political, everything's political. So I, I just felt like an interesting evolution for me as, you know, coming from the music journalism world and, you know, being a little bit more of a critical journalist and like writing some stuff for ad week and starting to kind of pivot my thoughts and my creativity into a different space. Um, Felt like a cool, fun side project, you know?
0: Yeah, no, it's band awesome. One, I love a it. one. <laughs> yeah. I love that your side projects are like, like for me, like crazy time commitments. It's like, I I am just impressed with all the things that you do. It's super you impressive. Bang
1: them out of one day. That's <laughs> the That's that is- way to
0: do it. Well, I really appreciate you taking out the time today, Zena. I know I learned a lot. I'm really excited for where you're going to go in the gaming industry, and I am, uh, yeah, just so appreciative of you you taking the time out.
1: Thank you, Connor. I Appreciate your time and talking with me.
0: Awesome. Hi. Right. Bye, Zena.
1: Bye. Be a friend. Tell a friend and subscribe. Earned by Creator IQ. Creator IQ is your all-in-one solution to grow, manage, scale, and measure your influencer marketing program. Ready to unlock the power of the creator economy? Get started with a demo today at creatorIQ.com.